Welcome to another episode of the RAG podcast. And for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. Since early 2019, I've been interviewing the most successful and innovative recruitment owners to learn how they rose to the top of their game. In season seven, I'm going to be having raw, authentic and insightful conversations with agency owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, people across the industry. And I want to be learning about their ambitions, what's happening behind the scenes in their agencies today and their plans to navigate difficult market conditions. I'll be bringing you the latest and greatest recruitment stories every single week on Wednesdays at noon across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. On this week's show, we are beginning our five-part live series in Dubai. So this is me personally traveled all the way over to the UAE to interview four guests but the first episode of the next five weeks is with me. So Chris Redmond, who's been on our show twice, oh, sorry, three times since 2019, approached me about interviewing me and telling the Hoxo story on the rag. In this episode, I was interviewed by someone who I, I know, I trust, who I believe has got the skills to ask her questions. And I think I opened up, I told a lot of new stories about Hoxo and really detail the vision that I'm going on both personally and professionally. So for the next hour, I'm going to go through everything as to what Hoxo has done and where we're going. And then over the next five weeks, we're going to be interviewing different recruitment owners based in the UAE live in the same format. You're going to enjoy this without further ado. So Sean, here we are. It feels a little bit strange me being on this side of your podcast <laughs> with you as the guest. Yeah. I know, I'm a bit like, I don't know don't know who, who I need to be today, we'll see. We'll go for that, we'll see. The intention is that we cover the whole story, Sean. Mm. You know, your story, the Hoxo story, and obviously the massive amount of gravity that you've generated through being the host of The Rag. Mm. Something that when your guys approached me about being a guest, what was that, three or four years ago? I think my brother- 2019. Yeah, I think my brother had told me about it. Have you heard of this guy, Sean Anderson? And I started looking at it and then you guys approached me. I was lucky enough to be a guest on it. And now some of the numbers associated to it, which we'll get into later, mm. are absolutely phenomenal. And not just on the UK market. No, it's truly international, yeah. Globally, absolutely. Sean, let's just start off with you, buddy. How's things? How was 2023? How's being a dad? <laughs> Good, mate. I'm obviously sat here in Dubai with you. Um, I got here on the New Year's Eve. So we had a busy Christmas, first Christmas with a baby. My brother came over from Peru with his little baby as well. So we got his little boy and my little girl four months apart. So we had a wicked Christmas. And then, uh, yeah, we got, I mean, best decision ever was getting the hell out of the UK straight after Christmas. Yeah. And then two weeks here, fly home in a couple of days. Um, last year was an interesting year, I think. I'd, I'd say for most people, 2023 in our sector was, was a bit turbulent, was a bit, and we felt it, but in a, in a, Mine was more like a self-inflicted turbulence. So like from a business perspective, our decisions to put our energy in certain places affected, well, just to completely transform the year in, in, in the direction it went. So, and, and, and I think this is something we could talk about is like the, the founder's energy, I believe has so much, even if you're not doing the actual work in parts of the business can have so much of an impact on, on the direction. So we. We've actually made so much change we can talk about to our business. Almost like the way it looked a year ago to now is, is worlds apart, but I'm so happy with it. So like we, to say I was 23, 2023, I thought it was a great year. I finished the year 
you know, renovated a house, had a baby, traveled as I usually do, felt fitter, lost some weight, got a better relationship with alcohol, with food, um, and crafted a business that I'm proud of. And I'm, 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 I'm more excited about 2024 than, than any year I've had so far. We went for a big walk the other morning, you were talking about it, and I could feel the energy washing off you around what 2024 is going to be about. Yeah, Sean, I think we've got the opportunity in this podcast to kind of lift the lid a little bit on a brand that has become somewhat iconic within the recruitment sector. You and Amma have been the spearheads of that. Yeah, You've helped a lot of other people. I think you've got 7,000 people. 6,000 age. I've worked with 6,000 recruiters this in since the pandemic. So three and a half bit years, Yeah, 6,000 recruiters have worked with me. It's a lot of people that you've put your imprint on in terms of what their digital identity yeah. has been. But I thought as I, as I was on the cab, in the cab on the way over here, I was thinking, I wonder how many people actually know the story of Hoxo Media, you know, what Hoxo is all about, where you and Amma started, what the ownership structure is, what your guys' vision is for the business. I'd love to talk about that. And yeah. then I'd love to talk about the RAG specifically as well, because the numbers associated to that on downloads around the world, the number of people that have listened, and you shared you shared them with me previously, and it's massive. Yeah. But I think people would be really interested to hear the story about why you started the RAG, some of the lessons that you've learned. Maybe we'll talk about some of the episodes that have touched you most yeah. and been most profound in terms of what you've learned. Let's talk about Hoxo first then, mm -hmm. mate. What What is Hoxo and what's the proposition? Worlds apart from what it started. Mm -hmm. um, so if I were to explain Hoxo now, we are a, a branding specialist agency that work with recruitment companies exclusively. And we help brand the companies and their people online, predominantly on LinkedIn. So that, but we, we do have a, a very small, but very boutique and successful branding agency where we will take a recruitment firm and we will rebrand them at a company level. That's the way they look, the sound, the website, the digital footprint. We'll do an end-to-end. -end. It's just a project, a four-month project. We do that. But the majority of what we do is where we work with individuals within those firms and we give them a playbook to take to LinkedIn to copy really what I've done. So it's how do you grow your following on LinkedIn? How do you educate and, and engage that following and scale? And how do you then turn that into, into business? Because if I look at all the clients I've worked with since the start of Hoxo in 2017, every single one of them I would class as a, a warm lead. I've never phoned a recruitment firm up and gone, you don't know me, but let's chat about your brand. Like it's never happened. And I've been able to document that process and then teach people how to do it. And and it works. Like it's not a, it's not an if it works, it's a when it works, yeah. if you do the work. A bit like, you know, I always liken it to the gym. You know, put, personal trainer builds a program. It's not an if it'll work. It's it'll when it works, if you do the work. If when you eat the food and you do the training, it'll, you'll, you'll get out of the way. Science. It's not a, it's not an if. Yeah. And it's the same online, like it's the same principles. When people come on, are you still amazed at how far they come from the start, you know, from the first class through to what you then see them doing online and the results, the gains, if you want you to use what? the gym analogy? Do you know what? Yeah, yeah, 100%. But the bit that I love is, is it's the confidence it, it creates. It's the way, it's the messages that it's like, I never knew I could do this. I never felt like I would, you know, I could share my opinions. Most people don't do things on LinkedIn is because of fear. 90% of it's fear. The first thing is, I don't know what to write about. We, we solve that in, in really quick. But the big problem is, is confidence. It's what are people going to think of me? That's amazing. Yeah, you know, me and you, I think, naturally probably lean on the side of, I don't really give a shit what people think of me. That's probably, we've always been like that. Yeah. A lot of people in our industry actually are more on the introverted side. Yeah. 
and they fear, they, they, they're gripped by it. You know, how many people don't make cold calls because they've already decided that person isn't going to answer the phone? And so they sit there procrastinating, don't do it. It's the same thing online. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, I believe it's all process-led. If someone's got a process to follow and they understand what good looks like, confidence can be built rapidly. Yeah. Um, and it's those people that say to me, like, I can't believe how simple this is. I can't believe how many more people know who I am. I can't believe how many opportunities I'm now generating that I just wasn't having access to. I love it. Like, Where like, did the idea of the academy come from? Were you just sitting there having your frosties one morning? So this was a really... like. So I started Hoxo in 2017 as a social media agency, whatever that is. <laughs> Long story of that is Hoxo was a recruitment company that I was planning for years. Me and Amma planned it for for three over three years. We had a third person joining it, starting it with us. We, I've had him on the show, Anthony Webster. He's a recruiter now for another firm. And he pulled out just before we went. We were, we were quitting. Yes. And so we were left with me and Amma. And I would, I'd spent the whole of that year, 2016, researching how we were going to build a recruitment firm, not if we were going to build it. And I come to the conclusion that content and brand was, was our differentiator. Amma didn't give a shit. He was like, whatever, just go and do I your mean, thing. Yeah, he didn't want to know. So when it got to the point of starting Hoxo, I'd gone and found someone who I knew that was in marketing to help us with it. And then I'd, just by conversation with people, I figured out that there was other recruitment companies that wanted a similar approach. So I was like, we should launch the recruitment firm and do like a side media product where people can, we can sell it to others. Bit like what you're looking So that was the small upsell. That was the small upsell. But what happened was really quickly was I sold so many in my garden leave, I started selling it and people were buying it. So I was like, I think I was at 10 grand monthly revenue in three weeks in, in my garden leave. I was like, I'm not going to get four runners out on contract yeah, that quick. Absolutely. So I was like, well, let's give this six months a good go and we can always go back to recruitment. We know what we're doing. So that's how it came off. At the time we were doing very much a, a management managed service. So we used to go into a recruitment firm and the sell was, you haven't got a marketing person or you don't know what you're doing in marketing. Give it us, we'll take over it. The reality is I didn't fucking know what I was doing. I had a guy next to me that told me he knew what he was doing. He didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> it was everyone just finding it. It was all, it, I mean, look, if I, I was, I'm embarrassed by the first version of our business, but I believe that's part of your journey, right? Yeah. Um, and, and we had some great clients who were patient with us and, and whatever. Um, three years later, going into the pandemic, we just hit our third birthday. We're talking about March. We started in March, March 2020. I remember it. We had this party in East London. We had about 16 employees in, a, in an office that you came to in a pillbox. And um, we'd, had a, we'd had a record start to the year. We had about 30 customers that we were managing their market. And we were better by then. Like it wasn't, it yeah. still had its flaws, but we were, we were better. Yeah. We were delivering a, a service to you at the time. Yeah, yeah. And when we went into lockdown, I had this realization that this business isn't, isn't, I'm not involved actually enough. I used to sell it and I was the visionary, but I didn't do any of it. And if, if genuinely the economics crashed to the point where I had to let my team go, I didn't really have a business anymore. I was like, well, this doesn't, I don't do the work. Yeah. And if you remember Hisham Azuzu worked for me. Yeah, no, Hisham. I came up with the personal brand bootcamp when he worked with me. Right. And in May 2019, he left and started his own version of that. Fair play to him because I wasn't, it was, a, it was an idea I kept talking about but I never did anything. I didn't take any action. He wrote it all down, fucked yeah. off and, and did it. Yeah. So 
I'm watching him through 2019 to 2020 run Azu's branding, thinking that's not how I would have done it. Fair play to him, but yeah. he took it in a direction that I didn't. It's not. It wasn't actually my idea. He did his own version of it. So that was still in my head. I want to do that. I want to do it my way. So when I'm sat in East London in the pandemic and I've got this business, people keep telling me it's going to go under. And I've got this idea I've had for years. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm sat, in a, I'm sat with a, I had my ex-wife who I was breaking up with in a flat and a dog. I didn't want to talk to her. So I locked myself in my bedroom and I literally spent, I remember Easter weekend of 2020, I wrote the first version of the Academy yeah. over a three-day period in, in a room. Sent it to Amma. He checked it. That'll do. Let's go. And then I put a free version out. You turned up to it. I did a free yeah. personal brand bootcamp session. 800 signups I got. Yeah. I think there's about 150 turned up on the day, but 800 people said, yeah, I'd love to go to that. And I said, you know what? I, I remember. Your team were on it and we, yeah. I did some free stuff. I remember when you started doing that, even though I didn't know the list of people that were on it, but I'm so active on LinkedIn, I could tell who was on it because I could, I could see the Sean DNA yeah, yeah. of what people were doing, how they were yeah. evolving, the gravity of what their content was starting to revolutionize towards. And now I see it all over LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, I think you single-handedly, Sean, have made a massive impact on the acceleration, the conscious awareness of branding, even at a granular level, the nature, the structure, the composition of the content. I think, I think what I've hopefully been able to do is show people that at a desk level, at a recruitment level, you don't need to be a marketing person. Mm. You have the skills already. If you're on the phone, if you're having co active conversations with customers every day, that should be your fuel for LinkedIn. Like that, it's not two different things. It's a funny thing you say, though, actually. It takes me back to someone else who we both know pretty well, Elliot, uh, over at Salt. And mm. Elliot always used to say when I was working with Elliot, being in recruitment is about marketing. Yeah. I always said that. You know, and you've just said... Well, people think it's two teams, it's two things. Like, no, it's the same, it's the same person can sit there, can ring 20 people, but also can add value to LinkedIn. And, and in a day, they can reach more people. It's that yeah. simple. Um, but the funny thing, I'll go back to 2020, because people may or may not remember, I'm a school teacher first. So I worked for three years as a school teacher. Then I became a recruiter. I did that for seven years. Then I launched a marketing agency, did that for three years. So I've got 13 years experience of teaching recruitment and marketing. So then I created a product that taught recruiters marketing. And I felt like it was the combination of all my experience in one product. Yeah. So I wrote this less, I overdid it. The first version of the academy was so much bigger and more common. It blew people's minds. It was too much. <laughs> But I did it. I wrote it all down. I planned it like I was in school again. And then um, I sold it. I mean, it was cheap. It was really cheap, the first version of the product. I think it was like a £1,000. But I sold 165 owners bought it in four months. So when you sat there in the pandemic thinking your business is going under, within two weeks, I'd span it and started generating some serious profit. Yeah. But what really was interesting is the agency didn't... It dipped briefly and then it came back because... What people realized was this wasn't a financial crisis because the money that was being given out by the government was there. We needed marketing. We needed branding. We needed content more than ever because you couldn't phone someone and say, let's have a coffee. You couldn't do it. So people went to LinkedIn, spent more time on LinkedIn than ever before. People were like, yeah, we're going to spend on our brand. So our, our marketing agency actually slightly dipped and then grew. So by the end of 2020, I had this product that was the academy that was now generating some serious money. But I also had an agency that was starting to grow. Yeah. So it was a really interesting point. Have you, have you ever thought of it like this, Sean? Like you personify that brand. I mean, I'm looking at you now. You've got it tattooed on your wrist. You, it, it, that brand and you are literally one thing. Yeah. 
you know and and it's almost like you the way you've developed the model you're being as an individual whatever it does whatever the proposition is it's almost like an ecosystem it's how i live my life though like i've got my wife there and my wedding i've got i'm gonna get my kids initials here like i feel like i don't believe they all should be separate i think like i i love it like i wake up every morning and it's my business it's my family they're, they're the things i care about the most and i don't think you need these like chinese walls between your personality from going to that meeting or do you know what I mean? Like I don't, a lot of people think I have to be Sean at work and then Sean at home and then yeah. I'm like, the what, brand has always been about what's what What's your I view would. of a day, Sean? When you wake up, do you work like a nine to five? Do you structure a day like a yeah, conventional way or do, or do you? I wake up and I, I do the, the, since I've been the baby, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm very active with this, my stepkids. So I do the, the breakfast, uh, the, the packed lunches. I get everything ready. I make sure that I get them to school. So that takes me from what, half six, seven to half eight. Yeah. And then I would do the dog walk. And then at nine, I'll, I'll work till 12. And I'm in my little office in my garden and I'm doing different things. But mainly in the morning, I'm I'm not on calls with customers. Like I'll make sure that I'm internal or I'm recording or I'm podcasting or whatever. Yeah. 12 till two, I'm always off. So I never work. I always go to the gym or take some time out. And I give myself that, that window to to repair and reflect and, and actually do other things. And then two till between five and six, depending on the day, I'm intensely. And then a lot of that is client work. A lot of it is sales calls, different things. Like I'm, I'm literally on call to people. I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on, I'm, I'm on other people's time right. in the morning. I'm on my time. You're quite ritualistic about that. Try to, I mean, you have days where people eat into it, but I've, I've learned over the years that actually, yeah, like the more you protect your own time, people will work around it. Like if, if you're good at what you do, yeah. you know, if you're constantly running around for other people, you're, you, you're, that's how you burn out. So most of my day is, is, is planned like that. And then in the evenings, I check my phone a lot, but I don't, I wouldn't say I ever get my laptop back out yeah. anymore. I used, you used to. Yeah. yeah. In the early days I did. In the early days when Hoxo started, I mean, I was obsessed. I was a lunatic. Again, I didn't really know. I felt like I didn't know anything about what I was selling. <laughs> I was selling a product that I didn't, I'd never done. Do you, so, miss the, do you miss the early days? No, no, I don't actually. I love where I'm at right now. I think, I think because the business keeps changing. Like I feel like it's the early days. Now I'm launching a brand new product that we're talking about. So every year or every other year, I've had something new coming out. That a bit like you, I I, I can grow things and let them run, and other people take them. But I'm not the guy to keep doing the same thing. So. I keep reinventing my own role and in, in, in the business that way. So it feels like, like you say, 6,000 people is a lot. But if you look at the world of recruitment, it's, it's a dot in the ocean, right? It's not, I'm not even touched, scratch the surface. So there's so many recruiters out there I could be working with that I'm like, well, you know, we're not, we're not even, we've not even got started yet. What amazes me about that, Sean, in two dimensions is 6,000 people is a lot of people. You have affected a lot of people's careers. And if you think about the residual impact of what you've taught them. And how long does the academy last? A few weeks, a few months? Six weeks intensely with me. And then they get my, my support, our, our support for 12 months, but then they're in our community forever. So that we don't kick them out. Like they can keep coming back and asking questions and they can DM me whenever they want. Just, just imagine if we did some assumptive arithmetic, they do that six weeks with you and their average age, I don't know if you know it, it's probably what, 26, 26? Something like that. Right? Yeah. And then they've got a career for the next 20 years where they're going to use the stuff you've taught them. Imagine how many millions, millions and millions and millions of pounds get generated as a direct result back to that six weeks in their career. It's crazy. Yeah, a fair amount. <laughs> yeah, quite a lot. Sean, let's talk about the rag. 
Mm. Right. Because I almost feel as though the rag of all of this stuff, this whole constellation of amazing things that you've done and created and achieved and other lives and careers you've affected personally and professionally, the rag almost feels like the heartbeat yeah. of all of that. You know, people love watching you on the rag. You've got such a distinct style. I've watched you grow mm. on the rag, not just from a form. No, no, at least I actually listened to some of my early episodes recently. And yeah, again, I'm pretty embarrassed by my, <laughs> my, my, my voice just sounded different. I think I was just fearful a little bit, a bit nervous on it. Um, the rag story is simple. I mean, I was, again, if I go back to when I was in recruitment, 2015, 2016, that was where I think my life changed a lot. It's when I was like, right, I bought my house and I was like, right, now it's time to save to start the company. So that was like the trigger point. And in that time, 2015, 2016 was when I started searching for self-help stuff, for entrepreneurial advice, whatever. And podcasting was a was a route. I actually really enjoyed, there was a show called The James Swanick Show, which was all about alcohol-free living. Loved it. I remember I did my first alcohol-free month in 20, 2016, I think. And it all come from listening to this show and, and I was spurred on by it. And then I was like entrepreneurial stories and I was listening to the early Stephen Bartlett stuff and all these Gary Vaynerchuk and Audible books. And I didn't realize, at the time, I think I thought a podcast was like a radio show where you needed to be sponsored. You couldn't just create, I didn't know you could just create one. So I thought these people were all like mini celebrities who'd being paid to do it. And I was like, right. So, but that was then what, what I realized was recruitment companies well in recruitment i wasn't using any of the tools i was using to get it to acquire the knowledge i was using none of the tools to educate my clients right yeah so that was i was like well podcasting content that's something i need to do but then i also when i was launching hoxo the recruitment company i didn't know enough recruitment owners to ask questions to i couldn't sit and ask my boss anything because then he'd know i was leaving so I, I would search online for like recruitment related podcasts and there was nothing there was nothing there. So you used it, the nucleus of why you started it was actually to educate yourself. Well, it was, I'd already gone and started Hoxo two years before. So it was more, it was the show I always wish I'd had. If I'd had it then, I probably wouldn't have launched Hoxo the marketing. I probably would have done the recruitment firm because I think the, the time, the year I had to research and investigate, there was a lot of doubt in my brain. Did I want to do candidate client calls again? Did I, did I want to build this recruitment firm? Was I good enough? There's loads of questions that I probably, if I'd have listened to your episode and Tom Glanfield and all these people in that year, I probably would have had more confidence and started even earlier. So I thought when it got to 2018, I thought, well, now I'm, I'm an owner now. I can have a serious level conversation with a business owner. I know this, there's still this gap for this information and I'd love to be the guy that brings it. And, and yeah, I knew that it would bring me business. I, I'm not going to lie. Like I knew that by sitting in front of recruitment owners and building a relationship, I would be able to then work with them. I also knew that more recruitment owners listening to the show would tune into me and go, well, what does this guy do? So I knew it would nurture my current and future client base. But as a primary objective, it was to help others start firms. That was it. And okay. it, you know, that was why I wanted, and it's why I still do it. I want the message I get when they go, Sean, I, lo I love the rag. I've launched my company. Thanks so much. They're the reasons I do it. So has it achieved its objective? Yeah. I mean, I've had that many companies, founders start agencies and say, without the rag, I wouldn't have done it. Or would have done it when I did it. Like they, they literally spent the final six months working for someone else, religiously listening to my episodes to yeah. kind of, almost like a mini MBA of running a recruitment firm to then plan what they want to do. And I'm like, 
again, will that company then grow and work with me in the future? I hope so. I still get people contact me who have listened to various episodes that I've been on saying, I've just listened to your episode with Sean. Have you got time to talk? And I always say yes to them. You know, I'm a big believer in life. You create value, you get value. 100%. What are the main lessons, Sean? You know, this is the part where I think a lot of people who are listening and watching will be like, Sean is the font. Everyone's poured all of their experience into Sean. What are the main lessons that you've picked up? Are there themes of all the people you spoke to? The big, I mean, you've done everyone from James Kahn yeah. right through to one-man band startups. What are the key themes that have come out that really resonate with you? They're like, yeah, they've said that again. Yeah. All right. So firstly, the, the first theme is like, you'll never be ready. So just, you've got to do it. Like if you genuinely think this is where you want to go, You'll never, there'll never be a perfect time to start your own firm. So you've got to make a decision and put a line in the sand and do it. But equally, you don't have to be a recruitment owner to have a great career. Like there's people like, um, who else? I've interviewed a load of number twos. I forget, he's the guy you used to work with. He was Dave Etherington. That's it. David, yeah. Sorry, David. Uh, David Etherington's an amazing episode that you introduced yeah. me to that he's always been the number two and the CEO and he, he's had a wonderful career in our space. So... I think there's a quick decision there. Do you want to be an owner? If you do, you'll never be ready. You've got to do it. And if you're not 100% sure, go and work for other people. There's a million firms where you could be the CEO and, and still get equity and, and build an incredible wealth creation and have a great career without taking that risk in your, in your underpants, right? Yeah. So there's the first lesson. Second then is what do you want to create? Start with what you want to create and work backwards. People just want to make money and then, and then they'll figure it out which was a bit like me and i look back and i think do you want a business that's gonna grow for a capital event in the future do you want headcount do you want te- do you like the growing teams and managing people john coxon was a good episode yeah as, a, as an example of that yeah do you john coxon alex elliott talked about liquid personnel i mean i've had loads tom glanfield lawrence harvey yeah you know simon lafosse the, the amount of episodes where they Logan Naidu, one of the best about talking about growth and scale. Some people are just turned on by that. And often I think those people usually have worked in a firm before where they've been in a leadership role, seen growth. You know, Kevin Freighter, who I'm catching up with when I get back, was at the Frank Group for a long time, has made a lot of money, span out. He's not doing anything yet. But again, he's he's got growing teams in his DNA. Whereas probably more like me, there's a lot of people that were big billers in smaller firms. I was a winner. I mean, our, my agency got to 50 when I was there. I was at Randstad in my early career, but, you know, did I really love the headcount side of it? No. If I'm really honest with myself, can, I can sit here and pretend I want a 200-man firm, but the reality is I like selling. I like my own day. That's why I like working in my little garden. I don't like spending all day surrounded by people and dealing with their problems. I don't. So that presents a question. Do you want to be someone who grows teams? or do you... And again, I think you'll always grow some form of team if you're going to be successful because you're going to get too much work that just for you. Yeah. But you can grow an amazing recruitment firm that's like you have, like eight people, five people, four people, three people, sometimes one person, and have an amazing life. Yeah. And it's not a negative. It's not like you're this demoted version. Often those companies make more money, more yeah, profit. Absolutely. It's- I know firms that are running hundreds of headcount and don't make a single penny in profit. Absolutely. I know one man bands doing a million a year in EBIT. Yeah. And you think, which one is it? There's no there's absolutely no um no no problem. 
But then the third thing is once you make that decision, your behavior is then going to dictate which one you actually go down. Because what you see is a lot of people say they want the first. I want to grow 100 people, but they behave like a 10-man back. They don't give the team any ownership of anything. They hold the purse strings to everything. They basically create a lot of glorified resources around them, sit in the middle, have all the, hold all the relationships, and wonder why they're not getting to 20, 30, 40, 50 hectares. Yeah, they're not going to get there. You've got to get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. So you either love it, own it, be the face, keep your team lean, make serious profit, and have an amazing life, or quite quickly build a leadership function, an operational function, and start to step to the side. They're the two routes. I don't know a third route, personally. A message from our sponsor, Vincere. Another of their products is known as Time Temp. This is your complete integrated timesheet workforce management solution. It's pre-built, it's pre-integrated, and it's designed so no matter how much your business grows, you'll be able to keep track of every single worker in one place in your CRM. All the changes inside Vincere will sync with Time Temp, and they'll be fed back into your account, automating the entire process with two-way sync from your front to back office. Vincere's time temp enables you to create shift schedules, search available workers, shortlist and book assignments in seconds. They'll also allow you to track time, track leave, track expenses within their built-in payroll engine. It's called Door Clock. And then they've also got a mobile app for the on-the-go worker. If again, you're looking to get more from your CRM, Vincere's time temp solution is another tool that enables you to perform more of your business critical processes in your CRM. Find out if you could use time temp via the link in the show notes. Right, let's get back to it. When you do these interviews with all these amazing people, I've always felt being interviewed by you that there's a very sincere curiosity mm. about your style and a underlying level of conviction and confidence about really sometimes pushing the envelope on the yeah, yeah, yeah. things that you ask. You know, that's where the value comes in, right? How much prep do you do for those interviews? Or do you just keep going? Yeah, next to nothing, really. I mean, I, I, anyone I'm, I've got, I'll check out. I'll look at the LinkedIn profile, the background. I'll know what their route to where they are is roughly. I always have a call with them. Yeah. So we have a 15-minute chat. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to come in with it. I mean, today you've got some questions. Brilliant. That's just not who I am. I, I think if I came in with a list of questions, I know what I'm like. I'd be thinking about the, the next question rather than listening to what I'm if I'm, I, I can't read books, right? I'm real the conversation. I'm a shocking reader because what I do is I start reading and one of the lines sparks something in my brain. I then think about that whilst I'm still doing this weird reading that's not going in. I then <laughs> flick two pages. It's a bit like when you drive and you're not thinking, and you, you end up at the destination, you're like, I don't get it. I do that reading. My brain goes on overdrive and then I go, oh, I've got to reread that. Yeah. So if I did this show now, I'd be fearful that I would be waiting for the next question thinking about the next question, not listening to the answer. So instead, I know with this show, I go on a chronological journey to current day, and then I think about the future. But how I get there is through actually listening yeah. and responding in the moment. Yeah. And, and, and I've done it that many times. I don't really think about this. The one thing I think about, like I get a lot of people say to me, will I get a chance to edit this? And I say, well, yeah, but I'd rather not. Mm. They're like, what do you mean? Oh, well, the beauty of, an, of a podcast like this is those moments that are really candid, that, you know, that aren't the script. Like I always say to people, I do not want your best investment deck version of your business. That's not what we're doing here. We're trying to tell people what the reality of running a recruitment firm is. Yeah. I want the shit stories. I want the growth. I want the positivity. I want the laughter. I want the tears. I want it all. I don't want to, we're amazing. We're hitting this. And I've had episodes where I've thought, you know, I won't name them, but 
I was a bit dull because all, all they did was tell me how amazing they are. And it's not what people want to hear. Can I tell you about the episode that touched me the most? I, was, I can remember it was Christmas a couple of years ago. I was on my way to Reading to pick mm -hmm. up my kids for the weekend. And there was an episode that you did. I can't remember his name, but it was two guys, partners who had started... And one of them had passed away due to cancer. Honestly, yeah. I, was, I was in so tears. Um, I was in tears. Liam Thomas from Highfield, yeah. You sent me a voice start, didn't you? Oh, mate, it was unbelievably touching. You know, because I run the business with my wife, she's my business partner as well. And you put yourself, you listen to him and his voice and the authenticity of the way that you do the interviews. Mm. I was thinking, shit, what if that was me? Like, what if I, you know, what was the most... You must have been in those sort of situations where you've felt disagreement, you've felt deep emotion. Like, as the host, what was the, what, what's the one that stands out most to you? I mean, that, that one was massive. I remember listening to it so well. Yeah, I think Liam, Liam was one that, I mean, I was genuinely shaking a little bit when I, was, when I was talking to him. And, you know, I had to hold back a few tears here and there. And again, I'm as my best mate like him. We run it together. And I was thinking, fuck, if that was me. Um, what a strong guy though, like what, to, to be able to do it and yeah. to be able to come out and we keep in touch. Like I think that episode together has almost cemented a relationship we've got for long term. Um, there's also a woman called Jeanette Marks I interviewed this year who is the CEO of AirSwift in the US, 900 employees, right? I, I, I didn't know this, but when I reached out to her because they're in the top 100, I was like, I want to get you on the show. She, she said, yeah, we booked it in for March of 2023. She messages me a week before the show saying, I'm really sorry, Sean, I can't make it said no problem when do you want to do it she goes well i'll be really honest with you i've just been diagnosed with breast cancer and um i've got to fight it so i will come on this show but i can't tell you when i'm like wow like yeah. don't think about my show anyway she comes back to me in may she's all clear wow. and we did an episode together and it was just if you want to listen to an episode that, that creates emotion because we talk about her life and how she's built a, an amazing career and then how in, in in an instant everything's then put on hold the way she's built her career is like a project manager style recruitment leader. She project managed her cancer journey. She literally planned everything. She spoke to so many people. She got the best doctors involved and she worked her way to the all clear within an, like a 12 week period, which is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and she was even saying at the start, I don't know how much I can, how deep I want to go here. And I was like, well, let's just see. That's a big thing. And at the end, she's like, I didn't expect to go that low. Yeah. Um, and then there's another episode, which a long time ago, before I did yours, was Tony Kokoza back in 2019. So this is May 2019. I'm getting married in the June. My, my marriage is on the rock. Like, she'd already told me she didn't want to get married. She found out my ex was cheating on me at the time, which then got denied, but then came back out. It was an, And I'm literally on rock bottom. Anyway, I sat with Tony Kokoza and Tony works with the TRN. She owned DP Connect phenomenal woman and in this episode i thought we were just going to talk about growing a recruitment firm she started talking about how her ex cheated on her and i could feel my own tears and emotion coming out and i then ended up sharing stuff on that episode about my life at the time i didn't go into the detail because i was i wasn't prepared i wasn't ready to but she enabled me to then offload a bit and at the end i was like i didn't i didn't i didn't plan that and she was like and we ended up work she ended up then helping me one-on-one -on -one for free for about a year through my divorce. Yeah. But it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that that moment we had. And she was vulnerable that led me to be vulnerable. And then, again, I got so many messages off the back of that, which yeah. was, they're the ones that stand out. I mean, there's so many more. 
there's like 300 episodes, but it's unbelievable. Like yeah. the, the 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 numbers that you sent me earlier. Well, I mean, they didn't print it out properly when I tried to do it, but you know, in the Q2 Q2 episode, YouTube view 7,000 at Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just in Q2, 40,000 downloads, 73,000 downloads. Because what happens is people listen to the first, the episode at the moment, and then they go back. So someone might listen to Chris Redman's episode in Q2, and then they'll be like, this is awesome. I'm going to binge it. And then they'll go back to the early days. So you, you get the current episode downloads, and you get the total downloads, and they're always bigger, right? Do you know what amazes me about these numbers? We, we hit over, we, I know for a fact in Q4, we did over 90,000. So it, it peaked at the end of the year. But yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Do you know what I think of when I hear these numbers? I think of football stadiums. I think the yeah. capacity of New Camp is 60,000 or something like that. Yeah. And you think of 73,000. Yeah, exactly. You think, mm. You're like, Sean could have filled that. <laughs> Sean could have filled, you know, the Barcelona Stadium. It's absolutely incredible. Mate, what are you thinking about 2024? You've got some new things on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. So 2024 has been a year where... 2023 has been a year where I've transformed my business. And if I'm really honest... We've trimmed the headcount, so we've gone from just under 40 to just under 20 people. So we've literally half the company headcount, which might sound like we've gone backwards. So half the cost. Yeah, I mean, I've had, to make, tracking. I've had to make a lot of redundancies, which was painful and 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 not something I would want to do again. But yeah. you never know where you, where things will go. But we decided that, like the Pareto diagram or law of 80-20, we were making... 80% of our revenue from 20% of our customers, 20% of our people in our business. Yeah. And we were getting better feedback. We were enjoying it more. So the business now is pivoted or migrated to a coaching-led, a teaching-led business. So we still have that small product where we'll build websites and we're not trying to be a volcanic or a source flow. I've got no interest. Yeah. Let them all take over the industry. I, we want to work with five recruitment firms maximum at one time, boutique, websites that are beautiful that are designed a certain way that we've got time to put into we're not it's not about a template cookie cutter bam 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 the reality is those templates tend to take six to nine months to go live we can get a website and a whole brand built within four months and we've proven that over and over again so that will keep going but that's three to four people in my business the rest of the company now is all focused on coaching and we've got three clear products we've got the boot camp which is my flagship, this is where the 6,000 have come in. And that's where I personally take every person or whoever you want in your business on a journey for six weeks and give them my, my playbook mm. to post on LinkedIn, to grow their network and to turn it into business. That's what we do. It's an hour online with me a week on Zoom. There's hundreds of recruiters on those calls. Some people go, oh, it's not bespoke to us. And I'm like, the benefit of the hundreds of recruiters is that you can tell that this ain't just about you anymore. Like, you know, if you're in a five-man recruitment firm and you think you're the big shot, there's 200 people from all over the planet on this call learning. You're like, fuck, this is a skill we need to know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll, we, we, we help them generate at least 50 leads a week, warm leads on LinkedIn a week by six, in six weeks. That's the commitment. And if you don't get there, we'll give you the money back. Like, it's, it's a guarantee. Um, this year, I've put a bigger team around that. So I've got... a you know, a squad now of, of, of client success managers that are really proactively going to put a 12-month roadmap in to work with every individual in that group. I can't get around 6,000 yeah. people, but the team can, um, which has then freed me up to work on what I'm calling the personal brand boardroom, which is a club, a community I'm building of 
I basically want to work with a hundred of the best founders in our industry and build a hundred of the best personal brands in, and I mean, you're going to be one of them, right? I want to, I want to, I want to transform and create a club, an elite group of, of the best minds that build the best brands. And there's, look, there's so many communities in recruitment. I'm not trying to step on the TRN or any of these groups because I'm not interested in, in all the stuff they're doing. You go to those clubs because they give you so many different supporting, you know, recruitment, leadership, finance. You Lead, go there, yeah. you get everything. Brilliant, one-stop shop. All I'm going to care about is branding and content and, and brand and vision. And it, you're going to know what you're going to get if you work with me. And, and I'm personally going to be advising 100 people. I'm not going to go above 100, it's capped. But I'm so excited because the best bit for me is working with people like you and the people on the show. It's like spending that intimate time with them and we'll have a community we'll meet throughout the year and so that's where my focus is going to be and we've also got a, a, a final product called the ghostwriting bootcamp which what we found was there's a lot of founders who don't want to go on a coaching program mm. like they're just not going to sit there and yeah. listen to me telling them what to do what we did then is we, we we had a ghostwriting service and we still have it, but we, we had about 50 recruitment founders last year we were writing for. So all their content was actually done by my team. Yeah. Brilliant success product, but again, didn't align with why I want my business to go. Because every time I sign someone, then I've got to hire a team. I've got to train them. I'm like, nah. So what we've done is we've took the whole model, the playbook, and just we're giving it to the recruit. So if you've, got an, if you've got a marketing exec or an operations manager or a PA, it doesn't matter, we will work, we'll coach them to become your writer. Because you don't have to have a degree in marketing or copywriting. You just need to know how. It's a how. And then we'll give you the copywriting support, the guidance. So there's the bootcamp. There's the ghostwriting bootcamp for founders that really want to get their brand up but aren't going to do it themselves. And then there's the, for the best people in the group, the 100 best minds is the boardroom. And that, that's where I'm going to spend most of my energy. Here's my last question for you, mate. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this a lot about you. You're background as a teacher mm -hmm. you studied as a teacher you're a teacher by trade if you yeah, yeah, yeah so you've got that sort of methodical approach to things you even spoke about that earlier mm -hmm. in the way that you compose the packages that you yeah. put together but i know you and i know your passion and drive and effervescence as an entrepreneur what what are you are you a scientist or an artist i'm definitely on the i'm definitely more on the art side i think than the science side i'm i'm definitely a like I'm not, a, even though I'm methodical, I don't overly plan, right? So even, I've, I, when I first started Hoxo, I used to leave everything to last minute. I've always done it, right? And I thought it was a, I thought it was a weakness. So if I look at my career, my teaching career, you know, when I had to get my final coursework done, I did it the week of, right? When I did my dissertation at uni, I did it, I didn't even start it till it was in for about two days. I my university sorry my a levels my gcse's I, I, I i've never been someone that will go right three months in advance i start it's just not happening yeah for a while i thought it was a weakness now i think it's a superpower because i'm able to completely engage in something in that critical time and i always pull it out the back i've never failed right so now my team go to me sean we've got this event in april what we're we gonna and i'm like just don't talk to me about it i'm not interested yeah. we'll deal with that at the if it's due if the if the information is due on the 25th of February, we'll talk about on the 20th and we'll give ourselves a, because if I give myself five days to do something, I'll do it. If I give myself a month or a year, I'll take that time. I don't need that in my brain. Yeah. It's even like my wedding. Last year, I'm sat there, I've talked about it. My wife had two miscarriages in 2022. 
The second one was ectopic. So I got oh, we got pregnant for the second time. We just had a miscarriage. Flew to Ibiza, got engaged with this amazing thing. Got all these thousands of... I put it on LinkedIn as I do. Got mm-hmm. loads of engagement. Then excited. Get back from Ibiza. Two days later, she goes pain, rushed into hospital, emergency surgery to take the baby out of the fallopian tube. And it was horrific, right? And, and you know, she's in a, a proper surgery. And I'm sat in this operating... Outside the operating theater thinking... Fuck, we're 30, nearly 37. <clears throat> we, well, we're 30, yeah, 30, nearly, I was nearly 36, sorry. She was nearly 36 at the time. We've had two miscarriages. We've just got engaged. We're planning to get married in 2023 in September, which was in a year and three or four months away. So I was like, you know, again, as I do, I ain't going to think about the wedding until later. She was already talking about dresses and things. She's in the theater. The doctor says, you cannot try again for babies for at least three months. So we're in July, 2022. And I was like, let's just get married in the next three months. She's in the theater. And I was like, she's going to come out of here in tears. We've just lost a child, right? For the second time in three months. It's a horrific moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, how can I spin this? She's so excited to get married. Let's just do it. So I went on Airbnb while she's in theater and I found a villa that was in the part of Turkey that we were going on holiday in three weeks anyway. To, so we were already going to that part of Turkey. I was like, I found a villa. I've messaged them. Yes, we can get married there. So I'm like, as soon as she comes out of the theater and she comes around, I'm like, I've got some good news for you. She's like, what? I was like, let's get married in three months in October. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, we can't try for a baby. If we don't do this now, we're going to be trying for a baby, but planning a wedding. And let's say we have another miscarriage. We're going to have to push the wedding out. It's going to... It's pressure on us everyone's watching us yeah i was like let's just get married in three months she was like do you believe we can do it i said yes and we did it and she was went from this dark moment to within three hours we're back home she's planned a wedding dress appointment we're looking at flowers we'd found a wedding planner in turkey like and we created this energy in our house that was incredible and we did it we knocked it out and we've got 50 guests in turkey we three months i remember three months and so i think there's a there's a level of planning required to anything, but your energy is like I said before, your energy as a founder, as a father, as a husband is is where it. Or, and I, and I believe what I am is someone who brings a lot of energy to things, and I can I can inspire, I can create. I'm probably not the best. If I had to plan ten weddings in a row, I'd probably get sick of it then. But I'm good at the starting. I'm good at the energy to create something from the ground up. Sean, I know I do. I can tell this. I can say this honestly, and I reckon there's at least six thousand people around the world that probably would back up the statement I'm about to make. But there's a lot of people in the industry that appreciate the journey you've been on, your transparency. I think you inspire that in a lot of other people. So my thanks to you on behalf of myself is probably also mm. on behalf of them. But I think it's been great listening to your story, and as a mate, as well as somebody who's moving in the same circles mm. and sort of professional constellations. It continues to be a pleasure to be as close to each other as we are and talk about our businesses and our families and all that sort of stuff. And, mate, I wish you and Emma the best with Hoxo. And it's been a pleasure interviewing you on your own podcast. On the show. I know. Maybe I'll do it again sometime. But thanks (laughs) thanks for taking the time. I love it. Brilliant. Cheers, Cheers, mate. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly hope that you got value from it. Honestly, it's the only reason I take time every week to ensure that my audience, you guys, future and existing recruitment owners, you're learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. And today's episode is brought to you by my business, Hoxo. I'm the CEO and founder, and we're on a mission to help brand recruitment agencies and their people better. I want to help 
people have the tools to stand out in the most competitive markets in the world. We're currently working with over 350 recruitment agencies and 5,000 of their consultants right now, helping them to build their personal brands to consistently win more business, attract talent, and just become that go-to recruiter in the market. Now, we do have a huge coaching program, but a lot of people don't know we also manage the brands of a lot of founders and we can do the rebrand of that company organizational piece as well. So if your recruitment agency either needs help to look and sound exactly how you want it to, or your leadership and consultant level need to get out there and drive more traffic back to that website, to the business and start using LinkedIn to generate more revenue, then you should definitely be reaching out to us. If that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean, a personal message on LinkedIn. I love hearing from RAG listeners. I would love to talk to you. Uh, look forward to it. So I'll see you again next week with another episode. Catch you soon.